This episode is brought to you by Third Eye Cacao. We're so happy to have a brand new sponsor. We want you to support our sponsors because they make these shows possible. Third Eye Cacao is on a mission to preserve ceremonial grade cacao in the world and invite others on a journey from their head to their heart. Cacao is a fruit where chocolate comes from and is one of the most nutrient dense superfoods on the planet. It has been called the elixir of the gods for its ability to open up the heart. Studies have shown that the same endorphins that get released when you are falling in love for the first time, cacao has the power to induce also. It's like the best feeling in the world and cacao has that for you here at Third Eye Cacao. Overall, cacao has the powerful ability to begin any day with intention and ceremony. Use promo code TIMEWHEEL, that's T-I-M-E-W-H-E-E-L, at checkout and save 11% at thirdeyecacao.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. It is the underwear with the dual pouch system. One pouch for one part of the male anatomy, another for the other part of the male anatomy. Not only is the underwear the most comfortable underwear you'll ever wear, but it also has the most stylish designs and patterns. The fabrics actually have a cooling effect when you put them on for the very first time. Your body will thank you because it's one of the hottest parts of your body. So cooling it down with these special fabrics that Sheath provides is a nice experience. The proof is in the pudding. We have a 100% money back guarantee on the very first pair. If you don't like it, we'll send you your money back. Go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RPG and save 20%. We appreciate your support. Back to the show. Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheath. A Time Wheel Production. Thank you for coming on. To, um, this week is a big week for us. You and I, we just released the Michael Malice Dynamite underwear pair. And it's going, it's going fast. People are is loving it? it. Yeah, it really yeah, is. I, I dropped it on my supporters group uh, to give them the heads up. And a bunch of them scooped it up. I figured this might even have some resale value on eBay in the not too distant future. But I mean, limited edition stuff, that's like when I'm a fan of somebody, I like grabbing that stuff. Absolutely. And you have your, your like super loyal fans yeah. that seem to be like, because you don't have like that many fans like compared to Rogan or these other names, but the people that are your fans seem to be like super um loyal and yeah do you, do you feel like you get the a, a fair amount of credit for your you know like um contributions to the political spectrum your analysis and opinions and stuff um i don't know that i want credit because when you have that credit your um the eye of sauron will go toward you ah, true so i'd much rather say my piece 
and to some extent fly below the radar uh, because I have a lot of friends who do get more credit or acclaim, whatever you want to call it, than right. me. But that also comes with a lot of costs. So yeah. I'm comfortable kind of where I am. Yeah, you're cruising. You're gliding. You exactly. Got a nice setup. And, and, uh, and surprisingly drama-free. Yeah, surprisingly, considering you try, it seems like you try to stir up a little dust, right. but you don't get the, the backlash of, of a lot of people, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> tell me about your childhood. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you want to know? Your earliest memory. Oh, that's a great question. I do have like a vague memory of being in the crib, but I mean, mm. who knows if that's a real memory or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, I remember at, I have a very early memory of us calling my great-grandma in San Francisco and me hanging up the phone as a joke or whatever. I don't remember what it was, uh, but they were yelling at me because it's so expensive to call. And I'd imagined her being in her hallway. You know, I thought you were, you, you, I thought we were calling her, but she was in her hallway buzzer uh -huh. for some reason. I don't know, in her intercom. I don't know why I had that idea in my head. Um, that's a dumb memory, but that's like one of the earliest ones. Well, that's, it's interesting because you have, you're, you have such a high intellect, I'll say, in my opinion. And I was just curious, like, how far back you could remember and like saying you, kind of vaguely remember something from the crib is, is interesting because I don't really have that like strong of a memory, but um, I'm just curious because we're all different scales of intellect and height and, you know, all of our different attributes. And I think you're on that side of the pendulum where like the Elon Musk level area. I, I don't think intellect, I, I, is that a thing? Like, I think we assume that intellect and memory are the same. But it could be that so, like like someone who's less intelligent might have a very good memory. I think they're different parts of the brain, right? Yeah, that could like like the um, Rain Man type scenario. Well, that's an right, but that's like an extreme. But I mean, it could be that the part of the brain it's it's like one's like processing power, or one's like your uh, hard drive or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can imagine. I I'm sure they would tend to correlate, but I can imagine that. Some people who are just perfectly average intelligence really do remember. Well, yeah, they're called women. Yeah, they yeah, remember exactly. absolutely everything, and then hold it against you for years. So yeah, that's hilarious. You're so funny. But am I wrong? Like <laughs> no. women remember things a lot better than men of certain types of things, and that's not a function really of their intelligence. Right. Yeah, I think whatever's more important to you, I guess, also um, you might tend to be more memorable or, you know, some emotional attachment to a memory tends to lock it in place. Yeah, um, maybe. So, I mean, but that doesn't really correlate to what you were saying about women, except yeah. they're emotional. And so, well, and I don't know why I remember that story as a kid. Um, yeah. Well, maybe because they were yelling at me and that was the first time I was cognizant that I did the wrong thing. So that could be that. Who knows? Oh, wow. That just struck, struck a memory from me when my parents told me to go wash the car. I was like five. And um, I got a, a wire bristle kind of pad and, and some soap in a bucket. And I went and washed the car with the wire brush. And I scratched it all up and they yelled at me pretty bad. Well, I Which, mean, that's on them. Yeah, I was trying to help. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're, they were young. Parents can, you know, they don't know what they're doing sometimes. Right. Did, were your parents pretty, like... Did you have, do you have brothers and sisters? 
I have a sister uh, who's a lot younger. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because you have your nephew. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> so you were an only child for a while, and you were the first child, and so they didn't really maybe know what they were doing, but they seem to have done a pretty good job. Do you feel like they did a good job? Um, Parenting is hard. I don't. I think they could have done a better job, but sure. I mean, they got me out of Russia, so that's kind of really is the big, most important part. That you just. Sorry, reminded me of uh, Gary V. You know who that yeah. guy is, Gary Vaynerchuk, because he's from Be Belarus, and you guys both kind of have, kind of look similar in a way. I hope that's not an insult. We all look alike. Yeah, <laughs> but then you also and you also are very, you know, hardworking. That immigrant mentality, kind of just you are successful in America, which most immigrants tend to be. I know you were young, so I don't even know if you consider, do you consider yourself an immigrant? Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't born in this country. Yeah, I know, yeah. but you were like raised here. Yeah, but I mean, I'm an immigrant. Right. Okay. But just so, but a mentality can be derived from growing up, you know, like 13 years, 15 years in another country and seeing how poor it is and then coming here and seeing all the opportunity, but maybe your parents helped instill something. Well, that. they didn't really instill American values in me. They didn't have American values. Yeah. Yeah. I was very much raised in a Russian household with the Russian mindset. And like, what is that? What is a Russian mindset? Um, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of, I don't want to say cynicism, but a, a, a very big awareness that people say one thing and not to take things at face value. So that's a big part of it. Um, okay. A big part of being aware of who has power over you and take that into account. Uh, a lot of suspicion. Um, <laughs> that's um, horrible. <laughs> it's not horrible. It's smart because think about it. When you're in business, right, and you, uh, you and everyone else listening to this who's in business knows that a lot of times when you're working with someone who's a vendor or a photographer, they'll flake or they'll have some excuse. This happens all the time, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be malevolent. So when you have this mindset, whenever you're interacting with someone, you ask yourself, okay, if this person screws me over or if they're just a, a screw up, what's my plan B? So mm -hmm. you have this mindset. So whenever people often inevitably you know, flake or, or whatever. And people have very, it's amazing how comfortable people are not having their crap together, you know, just like missing deadlines that they set themselves <laughs> or and they don't care. They're like, Oh, like I'll have a few Tuesday. And on, on Tuesday night, they're like, sorry, dude, it's going to be another week. It's like, well, you knew it was going to be another week on Monday. Why did you I, tell me on Monday? Why are you telling me? So you, not only did you get the date wrong, you didn't even bother to tell me when you knew the date was going to be wrong. So when you have that Russian mindset, you anticipate these things and you have backups all the time. That is smart. Backup yeah. plan. You never want to be like solely um, kind of having one part. Like for us, for under as an underwear company, we don't want to have just one um, producer, you know, exactly production options in case one flakes. So right. yeah, as in business. Yes. For, so it's a, it's a smart for business then for sure. But for families, you know, and trusting your family members oh, it's, or whatever. It's very different in families, okay, sure. Good. But yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's very much us versus them. There's not this mindset of like, hey, it's a party, everyone's welcome. Yeah. Like these are like American idea. Like, you know how Americans, like I've never met a, a stranger who isn't a friend. Like that is completely 
the opposite of Russian thinking. And I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you don't want to just be trusting everyone, I, I, I suppose. Right. But most people just don't, don't even bring much to the table. Yeah. So it's kind of like, why am I, you know, you know, like the, the thing is like this, like being at a party and small talk, things like that, they just drive me crazy. Um, so that it was that funny that, I mean, so I was at your birthday party this past year in Austin and, and, um, Lex was there and everyone was trying to talk to him and I was talking to him and uh, it seemed like he was, had a similar kind of uh, mindset as you, like the small talk was driving him crazy. He's like, I got to get out of here. But Lex is also a lot friendlier than I am, but he's also, I probably think a lot more, a bit more antisocial, uh, you know, being a robot and all. <laughs> yeah, that will do it. I, he's like, a, does he have a dog, a robot dog? Yeah. Have I haven't you, seen it yet, but I think he was. I, I know he was talking to Jordan Peterson about it. Okay, I just saw some Elon clip with him, and, and I saw like this little perched robot-looking dog, and I was like, okay, pretty cool. Off subject. I, I mean, you got you guys are neighbors, right? Pretty yeah. much. That's pretty sweet. I love that. You got the whole gang there in in uh, in Austin. Loving that. Thanks for hooking us up with Blair White. That was fun. She did the pod last week, and we talked about you a little bit because. And she said you guys hung out for like twelve hours. Yeah, we we so Blair and I have a very similar lifestyle in that, like when I'm writing, I write for maybe two hours a day because it's extremely intense. And also, this is a this is for all you aspiring writers out there. It's a good way to beat writer's block because if I leave some in the tank today. That means tomorrow I'm not staring at my screen, driving myself crazy, right? I know I'm going to write tomorrow. Oh, I love um, that. So I do my three pages. You so don't try to, that, that you try to write more than, than, you know, like do it all in one day. I'm sorry. Exactly. Because then it's really going to be emotionally draining and, and it's a marathon and you really have to worry about the mental issues that come with it. And you only learn this from experience or by listening to me. Um, or other people who've actually done it. So we, and with her, she drops a video like, you know, once a week, once every other week. So we have a lot of downtime, but it's not downtime where we could really be working because we're always on social media. That takes mental energy. So we just kind of hang out and watch stupid TV shows because she moved to Austin the same day um, I did. September 1st. Yeah. No, it was August. It was like some, that okay. Sunday, whatever it was. Yeah. Well, right around there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so you write for two or three hours a day. That's a great segue into kind of what I what I wanted to talk about, <clears throat> which was like how you've gotten to where you where you are. Which you're a successful writer and commentator and to like talking head type individual. Um, and I, I don't know if you just do it by nat by nature because there's like these seventeen success principles that have been written about over the years of people um, that are successful and they kind of condense what that similar attributes are in, in of successful people. Like in, in one of them might be like going the extra mile and doing more than is, is asked of you. Have you ever read books on, on success or anything like that? No, I, I, I think those are two like white people stuff. Like I went to college full of like, waspy white suburban kids i'd never experienced that in new york city before and they're all very big on that kind of stuff so anything that smacks of that i like run away screaming in the other direction i i think that's a very okay i think that's really bad advice 
to always go the extra mile because okay. then you're setting expectations unrealistically because sometimes you're not going to be able to go the extra mile. You're just going to be able to deliver what you promised. And what I just said, like, if I am going the extra mile, I'm going to have writer's block. So this kind of setting yourself up, you're setting yourself up for, it's like going to the gym and saying you have to give 100% every time. What if you have a slight shoulder, like something you pulled a little, you can't give 100%. Are you going to beat yourself up for it? So that's the kind of advice that sounds good on paper and is very kind of waspy um, Protestant work ethic, which I actually think is really horrible advice. Well, doing what you say you're going to do is great. Like at but least that's not going that. the extra mile. No, I know, but yeah. to, but it almost is. If you can, no, just, that's not extra. I know it's not extra, but it's not. It's doing what you say you're going to do, and that counts for a lot today. That counts for a hundred percent, right? That's yeah. the thing I said. If I can, like, if I can count on you to deliver what you said on Tuesday, that's all I need because I don't have to think about it. Like with your vendor. Right. If I'm sure that maybe there's some vendors like, oh, we threw in some hundred hundred extra pairs. That's nice. I want it. I ordered three thousand pairs. You said May first. They're here May first. Next year it's the same thing. I don't have to think about it. That's going to be your favorite vendor. You don't ever have to worry about their problems. I know we have one of those. Uh, yeah. But but if you're if you're on the come up, you're a young whippersnapper, and you're trying to make it in in New York City, you know, or Austin or wherever. Uh, that maybe might come in handy, you know, to get yourself noticed and to you know sort of um, make your name a name for yourself, and and then you just kind of grow into your. We all go through stages in life, you know. I was I was washing golf carts five years ago and um, I was in the army and I was doing payroll and the various stages. Um, you don't start at the top. And so there's some principles of achievement that are, can, can be useful. And that was one of them. That was just, that's one example. Um, so I'd like, okay, I have a list here. Let's um, go through. Well, all right. I'm creating a mastermind alliance like a group of people that can sort of help motivate you, but also they're on a trajectory of towards success and, and you want to like surround yourself with, with people who are, who you want to be like type. Thing. Yeah. That's a great advice, but I mean, it's very hard to do that when you're starting out. Yeah. That is hard to do. Yeah. It's and, almost and impossible. The book says to imagine yourself sometimes. Like at the very beginning, if you don't have these this group of people, you imagine yourself in a boardroom with like Abraham Lincoln and you know Tesla or these people. And and it's a, it's an actually an interesting mental exercise to ask these questions of these figments of your imagination and see what answers come back. I've done it. And it's been years, like right when I read the book, I tried it and I don't really remember the answers, but I just decided at one point to practice these, these principles and see okay. what happened. And uh, it seems it's working out for me and I kind of act like a, a prophet or whatever and try to teach what I use to get to where I am. But that's why I was saying for you, it seems to come kind of naturally. You know what I mean? I don't successful. think it comes naturally at all. I, 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 I think I did certain things that worked and certain things that didn't work, but I would never give, uh, like, I, I, there's a story I've told fairly recently on some podcast, and it's something that resonated with me a lot. There was someone in New York, I, I don't remember the guy's name, and what his thing was, he had a nice apartment, 
and he'd invite groups of people, you know, like you would have to bring a friend. So there'd be like 20 people who didn't know each other, 15 people who didn't know each other. And everyone had to come in with an issue that they're dealing with or a problem, right? Yes. And then you had a room full of people who were somewhat intelligent. They would go around the room and give you advice. And since they have no skin in the game, uh, they would give you honest advice and probably useful advice. And I remember sitting there and there was someone who had an issue with a coworker. I don't remember what it was. And one after another, they go, oh, sit down and talk with them. And it's just like, even if that were good advice, how stupid do you have to be to think that the person asking this question hadn't considered that? Like, oh, right. I never thought of that. Oh, I should sit down and talk to them. Like, that's the most obvious choice. So at the very least, tell them something that they haven't heard before or thought of before instead of literally the most generic piece of advice ever. So when I hear things like, you should always go the extra mile. If it's on a card that I could buy at Walmart or on a poster I could buy at Walmart, it's not good advice because it's nothing you haven't heard before. There's, it's, it's reinstilling these print, like um, good work habits um, or, or ideas to, like, for instance, what if you don't know what you want to be? Like, what if you don't know what you want to do? That's good. I didn't know. You didn't know. How did, yeah. you, how did you figure that out? I knew I didn't want to have an alarm clock. I knew I didn't want to talk to people unless I wanted to talk to them. I knew I just wanted to pay my rent and I knew I wanted to kind of create something of lasting value so that when I'm gone, you know, I left my mark and mm -hmm. that kind of shaped my path, but it, I did not know. And I wanted to be one of those annoying people on TV who run their mouths with their stupid opinions. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I wanted. And it worked out, but, um, you know, a lot of this, we have a lot less control over our paths when we're young than we think we do. And we also have this sense of urgency, which is completely false, where it's just like, yeah. oh, you know, I met this one literary agent. This is my one shot. No, that, that's not your one shot. Like, you know, you're a kid, the first girl you break up with, you think, well, this is my one true love. I'm never going to meet anybody else. It's the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. Same thing with a like, career. You think, oh, I met this contact. If I don't have something come of this, it's my one shot. No, it's not. No, it's not. And it's youth, it's, the energy is wasted on the youth. Yeah. Um, well, so one of the, you hear this, this guy, he's like a motivational speaker and he talks, he's like, you got to want it so bad that if you were drowning and you wanted oxygen, like that's how bad you would want it. You know, like you just want to breathe. But you don't. Like if you were, like if you ended sheath tomorrow, you wouldn't kill yourself. Yeah, no. Right. If, if somehow, for some reason, you couldn't do sheath anymore, you'd be like, all right, I have some money in the bank. I create a successful company. Or if you sold it, mm -hmm. you wouldn't be like, well, that's the end of me. You'd be like, great, now I have an opportunity to you know, do something else that I want to do. So this idea that you got to want it so much implies if it's taken away, it's the end of you. And it's not. It does imply that. That's a <laughs> Your brain works interestingly. Because I kind of like go with the idea, like, yeah, you do, you need, you need to want it. You gotta like want it so bad, because you're competing against other people. Like I, I compare it to fighting, and people, you know, two fighters fighting for the belt, and you gotta want it better than the other guy. Sure, <laughs> but that doesn't mean 
you're going to win because right, exactly. he might just be better than you. you know, yeah, like, how bad he, you want it. He could be half-assing it, but he's naturally skilled or he basically studied your tapes and he's like, I know these little tricks. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really, anytime, this is the thing why I hate this kind of space because the motivational things are setting people up for failure. And I think about this in terms of like gym stuff because if you have this like, oh, I'm only going to eat purple food for six weeks, or I'm going to have a make it be a willpower thing every day. Willpower is finite. So what happens if you have a system that's depending on willpower? You are 100% guaranteed to fail. And no one uh, deals well with failure. I mean, you could deal well compared to other people. It's still not going to be fun to fail. So if you're setting yourself up where if I'm not the biggest underwear company on earth, I'm a disaster, that's false. Mm -hmm. You know, Sheath is very successful. You're not fruit of loom. You're not trying to be fruit of loom. And it's, it, you don't have to be fruit of loom to be successful. It's like someone who has $100 million telling you, oh, if I'm not a billionaire, I'm, I'm, I'm basically poor. Like, you're a crazy person. So this idea that you have to really, really want it hard also implies that it's such a priority that everything else in your life is basically not even secondary but tertiary, which is also... Uh, it may be the case for some people that friends and family are not relevant. You know, they're trying to change the world. This That's fair for them. But for everybody, for me, for you, she's never going to be like, I'm getting us to Mars. And there's not have to be. It makes people comfortable. It's nice underwear. I enjoy wearing it. But it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And obviously you can become successful without following these principles. And I do like what you're saying about leaving some in the tank. Yeah. Um, because then that's good advice. But that's the thing. You just said there's more than one path. When he says you have to want it, he's lying. Yeah. It's a lie. That's these people. So that's the, th and, and I think it's really, it bothers me when people lie to young people who are looking for guidance and really, making their personalities horrible because then when you try to work with them, there's that one who's like, come on, we got to do this team. It's just like, I don't really care about this project because I'm working for some company where I actually want to be a writer. So I'm never going to care as much as you, nor will the re rewards be anywhere of value to my life. Like if Goldman Sachs, you know, I did time at Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan doing tech support. Like if this project really went through, what impact would have my life? I don't care. Yeah. Those companies are huge, though. Like, exactly. Right. Like, if, a, if one of my team members makes a, a significant contribution, sure. They kind of like it, it, the whole team feels it, and we get it is a, a it, that can be good. But, like, in such a large biz corporation, you can kind of get lost in these little projects, I think. Right. And not really feel any sort of positive. Uh, sense of accomplishment or yeah. whatever, because it's just like, but I not even, there's not even, there's not even any positive ramifications. Like maybe, okay, maybe you get a bigger bonus than the year, and that's money's certainly nice. But in terms of like, I've done something with my life and time. You know, money is the the utility of money goes away very quickly in terms of like when you're 80 years old and you look back and people are like. What are you proudest of? It's not going to be like, oh, that one time I was at Goldman and we pulled off this project and my bonus was 10K. No, it's going to be I went on vacation or, you know, right. I, I did, you know, other things.
the time I went to Malice's birthday party. Yeah. That was a moment for me. Of I course, thought it was pretty it was cool. For me too. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. celebrated my birthday since 2010 because my mentor died on my birthday. Oh my God. That's horrible. Yeah. A mentor. That's a, that's a principle of yes. success. Very yeah. much so. Can you tell me about him or her? Sure. Harvey Picar, he was the star of the movie American Splendor. He wrote um, comic books about his life as a file clerk in Cleveland. Uh, he was a frequent Letterman guest, and, and he wrote a book about me called Ego and Hubris, oh, which, wow. which has gone down in price. It's only $300 on eBay now. Wow. Nice. I might have to catch one of those. Good luck, yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Because And it's not worth $300. You people are overpaying. It's the limited edition aspect of it. Well, no, right? it came out in 2006. It's out of print. Right. So, yeah, it is limited edition in a sense, yeah. Very cool. Um, well, it's not limited edition because they could always print, reprint it. But they choose not to because they don't think that it's worth it right now? They, they choose not to because publishing is so backwards and broken that they don't understand how markets work. Like if I was Ballantine, I don't know who owns Ballantine right now, that's who put it out in 2006, I would look at my stock of books and I'd have some kid make some kind of macro. Oh, look at the puppy. <laughs> uh, make some macro so that if any of, my, any of the books is hitting high numbers on the resale market, that's my cue to do a, a reprint of it. And that's okay. free money for me. But they don't right. think like that. Oh, well, you have an interesting way of thinking about like business for instance like when we work together it's interesting because you you just you seem to just you offer value and then you sort of be like okay you pay me what you think it's worth and then i and we both seem to agree i guess because you i offer you something and you say okay that works and then um that's not normal business practice i don't think Oh, I, I mean, that, I, I just like sheath. I yeah. like promoting a product I believe in. Um, I think it's just fun that I could put underwear model on my resume um, that can never be taken away from me. So it's oh, just, yeah. yeah, everyone wins. Yeah, that was really cool. Very excited. Get your Malice Dynamite pair out at the, uh, on sheathunderwear.com. And also we wrote a really cool... Code Malice for 20% off. Absolutely. Definitely get that code in there and save some change. Um, we, re we released a really cool article kind of about you and, and your kind of story of things. Um, like you went to North Korea or whatever. That's pretty a rare thing, I would say, for like an American. I oh, yeah. Kind of, kind of talked about that, but how did you make that happen? It was legal at the time. Okay. Yeah, they were just looking for tourist money because they have nothing really to trade internationally. Um, so they were piece by piece opening it up to uh, um, tourism from the rest of the world. Did you see anything real or did you see everything like produced stuff? Kind of. Uh, pretty much everything is real because you're in the capital city. So, um, But they took us to like a fake school. Like a, I mean, the school and a hospital where some parts of it were set up for display purposes, clearly. They, because they don't really know what the rest of the outside world is like, when they're trying to lie, they're really bad at it. Um, so like they'll be having a computer, but the computer's not plugged in. So like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. It's just like, um, yeah. So, um, but it's, it's very real what you see because you, you can't, there's, 
you know, mildew everywhere and, and stains uh, everywhere. Like there's no electricity at night in the capital city. Uh, there is, I mean, there's, there's some of it, but it's not uh, like New York city or London or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been 10 years now since I've almost 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And you can get dear reader. That's a great, uh, like, Kind of, it's like an autobiography, or but it's, yeah, the, it's the world's, it's an unauthorized autobiography. Yeah, yeah, very funny, very interesting. Kind of, you you have that's a good idea for a book. I guess that's what I was thinking. It, you know, who gave me the idea for that book was someone named Justin Esch, and Justin was the brains behind Bacon Salt and Bacon A's and Bacon Lip Balms oh. and Bacon Coffins. So he's a, just like you. He reminds me a lot of you. He's from Colorado. Um, he's a you know, young entrepreneur who just really, his brain works in that way. And he's like, you know, you should do, you should do Kim Jong-il's um, uh, autobiography. I'm like, that's a great idea. Wow. That is a great idea. Good. And I, yeah, I remember you, you were carrying some of his products. I think you had some aftershave or something that smelled like mayonnaise or something oh i don't i don't okay i don't remember <laughs> I, it's, it's vague memory of it you were you had some kind of uh shaving butter that was like it was just an odd fragrant uh fragrance i think when you were i do i i do have a lot of shaving soaps uh, but i don't remember which one i had at the time yeah <clears throat> um i had i was as i was thinking about doing this with you i, I was having ideas of you know, in my brain and whatnot. And uh, I think maybe anarchy, you know, you kind of propose that as a way of a society. But what I, it, prior to government, it was anarchy, right? And, and, and as an anarchist sort of like nat natural way of existing, we as a people, I think, kind of decided maybe we need some sort of governing body to keep things in order. Do you well, think we, we, we as a people can't make decisions? We can only make individuals can only make decisions. There's no okay. such thing as, as people's thinking. Uh, what certainly we don't know how governments came about. Uh, certainly, animals have hierarchies. Dogs have a hierarchy. Uh, do you want to call that a government? Do you not? I don't. I don't think that counts as a government. Okay. Um, but so certain the term pecking order, which yeah. we're all familiar with, comes from birds. It's the order which they kind of get get the food, things like that. Uh, so there is there's that kind of that big man theory of government that there was a tribe and whoever's the biggest was in charge. Uh, that seems to be kind of. Um, Maybe that works with animals. I don't think that makes sense with people because if you look at tribes, it's almost never like the biggest guy who's in charge. It's going to be some older, more yeah. intelligent person. It's a lot easier to rule or lead as a function of your personality or your intellect than a brute strength because even that one biggest guy is not going to be as strong as everyone else in the tribe put together. It's going to be very, he may take people one-on-one -on -one like Bruce Lee, but again, Bruce Lee is another good example because he wasn't a particularly big guy. He was tiny. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a myth people have that like the biggest and strongest tend to rule. Whereas I think in every, even in tribes nowadays, that's not uh, um, the case at all. Um, so in terms of, so it could have been simply that, you know, a bunch of people who were important in whatever sense you want to call it in that group, you know, made themselves the aristocracy and convinced everyone else that, they hadn't, you know, that was the case. We don't know. I mean, this is just me completely talking out of my ass. 
charisma. You know, there's like some dude that's a smooth talker and he's telling everybody what they want to hear. And I'm going to, I'm going to take this tribe to the top. We're going to be the top tribe in the whole region. Or also just simply like, hey, you go hunt, you go forage. Someone who's just simply a good manager. Yes. And will with and if that person results in that tribe thriving in terms of having access to food, and and that would be a much more effective leader than someone who's just simply strong. If someone can manage all these human resources and and uh, you know be aware of the weather and be and know the hunt, good hunting spots and know the good you know, gathering spots, things like that. And he has this strong woman by his side and she knows how to manage the females. I think that would be the path toward, but even that would be, if everyone's doing it voluntarily, is a form of anarchism. Yeah, totally. And if, we're, I mean, so, well, we have Biden, right? So like, I don't think he's that strong leader with that can kind of orchestrate who not does at what. All. No, not at all. But everyone thought Trump was going to be that guy because he's right. a businessman and he gets projects done under budget. Well, he and, said that that was his promise, right? But then he got right. like kind of blockaded. I mean, to his, I don't want to defend him too much or whatever, but he, he got railroaded like completely. No one told him to hire Rens Priebus. No one told him to hire, well, I mean, I'm sorry, someone told him to hire Rens Priebus. Someone told him to hire John Bolton. Bolton someone told yeah. him to hire. Um, to keep on, he, he's the one who brought out Fauci, never fired Fauci. Yeah. He's the one who brought out James Comey, uh, um, Rex Tillerson. So during the campaign trail, Trump said, I know the best people are the real killers and the people who aren't so good. <laughs> I'm gonna bring, he's gonna, he said he's going to bring in these team of outsiders that no one knew in terms of politics, and it would be a completely new approach. And he brings in people who everyone knew from D.C. Yeah. and Omarosa. So Amorosa. he completely was talking out of his ass in terms of his staffing decisions. And I think this is really, that really hurt him as president. And that's really going to hurt him if he wants to run again. Because why would I, if I were an accomplished individual, join this administration only to, whenever I leave, have the president go on Twitter or Truth Social and call me a moron? Right. It's, and my my life is ruined because I'm tainted with the name Trump, and now people mm -hmm. don't want to work with me. So he really is in a bad spot in terms of staffing. Yeah, but the idea was a businessman that right. could come in and shake, you know, not necessarily even drain the swamp, but just like, how about stop spending trillions over budget? And that didn't happen either, yeah. No. Like Bloomberg is a better example of what, Trump was arguing for Mayor Bloomberg of New York because mm -hmm. he followed Giuliani's path. He had a lot of really kind of dictatorial ideas, like you can't drink too much soda. You know, we're not going to have too much traffic. We're going to make these little parks and whatever. But in terms of crime and quality of life, it was pretty darn high in New York under him, especially after what happened after him. And he was a, a businessman who was not particularly ideological, except in issues like maybe like guns, which there's not really any disagreement in New York City among the populace. The people who are for gun control laws, the numbers are through the roof. So, yeah, I mean, that was an example, perhaps, of what uh, Trump would have, uh, a businessman president would have looked like. Yeah, and I'm, I, I mean, we still have, like, almost three years left of this dude. And I don't we know. We don't, I, it depends if he lives through 2024. I mean, he's clearly on his last legs. And the presidency is not, is the hardest job on earth. It's not going to, listen, if I, I don't, if you're 40, and this stuff is going on right now with Putin Ukraine, you're not sleeping easy. Mm -mm. 
What's going on with that? Because I'm like, I think it's all bullshit, and so I'm not really paying attention. Yeah, I, I don't have, I don't think this is America's problem. Yeah, it's just like, when I was born there. Yeah. Okay. So then we agree that, yeah. like, hey, let's just let them deal with their thing, and we'll do our thing, and like we've tried this before, like it didn't work. Right. right. So uh, multiple and, times. And even it's much more Germany's problem than ours. Why? Because they're right there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, they're next door neighbors basically. So like, I can understand how there's a concern like, okay, if he takes these breakaway republics, he's going to move on Ukraine. And then he's basically, you know, he's on Poland's border and Germany's right next door. Like this, we need to kind of reinforce the idea that you don't just get to send tanks wherever you want until someone puts a stop to you. I get that. But sure. yeah, let whoever the, the newly elected chancellor of Germany make that argument. They've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of weaponry. Uh, they're the they're the front lines, and and you got England and France right behind them. So by the time it gets to us, you know we got a ways to go. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, you said Poland, and when I grew, was growing up, this is totally tangential. Um, there, there, you know, there were always these dumb Polak jokes. Like, why, why is that? I, I don't know. It's it's a very weird thing, um, like how just some random group gets to be the target and have this bizarre. I, I know a lot of Polish people. They're they're not particularly unintelligent at all. So it's a very weird <laughs> okay. how that happens. And I don't know that that's um, the case in Eastern Europe. I think that might be more of an American thing. Yeah, it just it struck me as odd, and I, I've come across Polish kind of. Um, and people that are Polish from Polish ancestry and like Michael Bisping, for instance, yeah. is Polish and he's pretty smart. Yeah. Considering he's been hit in the head so many times by Dan Henderson. That yeah. One, that bomb. Do you remember that bomb that Hen- no. Henderson, like Henderson knocked him out already. He was knocked out and then he jumped up and like flying punch to the, in like a, a net one extra bomb to, Bisping's head. It's it's a meme. Oh wow! Holy crap! Okay. I don't like stuff. I love I love watching the fights. I love the uh, martial arts aspect and the the competition and you know like the pushing yourself to the brink. But I don't like when someone's dominating another fighter and just beating the shit out of them. <laughs> it's like and the extra hits at the end, and like sometimes I'm yelling at the ref, like stop, stop the fucking fight. I remember a fight many, many years ago. And it was like, I think it was Nate Quarry. And he got knocked out and he was like laying there with like his arm up and like one leg up in the air. And my friend's like, he's dead. Like it was really kind of, dist- and also the worst I've ever seen, which I think is pretty much agreed is the worst ever is when Anderson Silva broke his shin against mm. the other guy's shin and his leg did a 180. Mm. Like I didn't really think that was a thing. And you're watching it and you're like, oh my God, you're plastic man now. Yeah, his leg wrapped around. Um, yeah, what was that guy's name? It's uh, it's irrelevant. Then that guy ended up breaking his leg. Is that right? Um, yeah, on another dude. Yeah, he broke the same thing. He did the same thing like uh, about two years ago. It's like watching the movie The Ring. You're like you're gonna if you have to do it to somebody else, <laughs> then you have to keep pointing forward. Yeah, and oh. yeah, Wideman. His name is Wideman. I can't okay. think of his first name. But and then Conor McGregor just had that happen to him also. Oh God. Yeah, but those are the three people that that's happened to. And what did you think was going to happen? You're kicking the dude shin to shin as hard as you can. 
But I, I, but people do that's kickboxing and that doesn't happen normally. Right. I'm just kind of joking. <laughs> yeah. just, what did you expect? Um, that's funny. So you're, um, do you read a lot? Yeah. Tell me what you're, what are you, what are you reading now? If you don't mind. I'm just reading research for my next book. So okay. it's, it's, um, uh, there's an essay I'm reading called Faith, Reason, and Civilization. It was written by Harold Lasky, and Lasky was the inspiration for the villain in The Fountainhead. Okay. Um, he was also head of the British Labour Party. He was a, basically a commie. Um, so this is like a 1940, early 40s, pro-commie essay written from a British person during World War II. Interesting. Pro-communism. Okay. Yeah. Um, you said the Fountainhead, which was written by Anne Rand, yeah. and you you have like a fascination. Do you, would you? I mean, like, what's what's your deal with with her? You know? I think she's great. She's um, been a very inspirational uh, figure to me and to a lot of other people. And like, how? Um, her insistence on integrity. Um, her view that you know you've only got one shot at this world to make account um her statement that you basically you can't live your life according to accommodating other people and pleasing them uh nor should you um so those are kind of some of the things that i've taken away from her and do you get those out of like the um the Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged or it's much more the Fountainhead, which is a it's it's not a political book. It's about ethics. So I I read most of it, and about the two architects, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was long book. I I just finished the Anar uh, the Alchemist, not the Anarchist. Uh, the Alchemist. Have you read Caleb that? Bar? No, I haven't. So good. It's by Pablo Coelho. And okay, yeah. Everyone, it's like this super kind of like Will Smith and Oprah and all the, they they love it and but it is really good and I highly recommend The Alchemist. It but it's it's kind of like fanciful and talks about omens and okay. following your heart and the the universe kind of speaks to you as you're on your journey towards your destiny. Wait, so I thought it was a, it's not a novel. It is a novel. Okay, but it's it's got that kind of. Well, it's just like these principles are embedded within the, the the story. Got it. Now, there's another one though, like reading the signs and stuff. Do you ever read the signs from the universe? Yes, I'm getting one now. RPG podcast. <laughs> They're usually more kind of like subtle. I, I'm know. seeing some symbol. It means arrows to put your junk inside a pocket. <laughs> I love it. We're going to clip that, put that on the shorts. Have you been doing the YouTube shorts? No, I don't even know what that is. It's like TikTok for YouTube. You know? Oh, okay. I'm you a dinosaur. I don't know any of this shit. Yeah, you got to cut it. You cut up your little cut oh, okay. up pods and then you put them on the shorts. And that's just trying to get more awareness, you know, constantly trying to promote and it's always changing and but you you just you do the twitter i'm and uh i, I mentioned you on gitter i posted the article on gitter yesterday i don't know what happened oh we posted it on a michael malice subreddit also and it got there's a subreddit yeah 
I didn't know. I, I really? Yes. Oh, okay. Whoever has that, shut it down. I don't want to. I don't want to be in that dumpster fire of a site. Dumpster fire, Bridget Fantasy. Yes, I love her. Yes, she's she's pregnant. Yeah, I just talked to her yesterday. How how far along is she? Quite. Yeah, I feel like she's right. She's about to pop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's great. You'd like the crew that you surround yourself. That's the the mastermind. I feel like you know. You surround yourself with like-minded people that are ambitious and headed, you know, towards success. And and you like that's another reason why I was saying you kind of do these things. Some of these, some of them, naturally. Uh, well, I don't think it's natural. I think I am. Uh, it's I love being a Venn diagram, and I'm also excited and inspired when I have friends who are uh, special in some way. So um, it doesn't have to be that they're like a household name, but like. Let's suppose I have a friend and, you know, they have a boring job, but they're a really amazing singer. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so, or, you know, they're maybe they, they've got some kind of amazing puzzle collection. I don't know. But that's what I kind of like to align myself with people who are um, have something going for them in some way. Me what's, too. Like, what's their story? You know what I mean? It's not the cookie cutter. Yeah, exactly. Because... Like, I was going to say, what's your story? But we've kind of been talking about it, but have we not touched on anything related to your story and, and you and how, who you are? You know what I mean? Like, is that, it's kind of vague. Anything coming to mind there? About what? Oh, I don't know. You're just you. Like, and here's a here, I'll give you like a, a little thing. You seem very zen. Yeah, that. I think that's fair. Yeah, but you're also like this huge troll and you're stirring up the pot, but you always are like super dialed in. You're like the eye contact. The, you're, well, think you're about it. If you in. have an aquarium, right, and the fish know when it's feeding time and you throw in the food and they all start swimming around, I'm not getting wet. <laughs> So it's and it, watching an aquarium is very zen, right? So when you have people online who are uh, easy to upset and who it's appropriate to upset because they're not good people, whether good in terms of being good morally or good in terms of high quality, then there's no reason for me to be disquieted when they're losing their minds. In fact, if anything, it's entertaining. It is entertaining. That's what I, that's kind of why I watch the news and, um, or not, I don't really watch the news, but I get, let's say I get my news from like Rogan, um, you, Dave Smith, Ron Paul, and that funny dude from Britain, Russell Brand. Oh yeah. Love Russell Brand. Where do you get your news? Twitter and Drudge. A Drudge. Okay. I yeah. Him. The Drudge Report. Yeah. Okay, that's still a thing. <laughs> you know, very, it's like a thing, the fourth biggest news site. Wow. I know it was like a thing in the 90s or something. Some, some, no, like something. I tell you, he always is boasting about his ratings. Hold on. If I look right now, um, no, it's not there right now. But yeah, he's, uh, it's, his numbers are through the roof still. Because okay. he's just a compilation of news. He's not, yes. a, he's not writing anything. Yeah, I know he has all these little head, all the headlines are like, I've been there. But it's been yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so th that's good. Those are two good sources for news. And 
you know, so you said you kind of throw the chum in the, in the water and let the fish kind of fight for it or whatever. <clears throat> it made me think about our overlords and the people that are running this experiment and it makes, and I feel like they do shit like that. And I wonder, and I kind of wonder if you think they exist and, and if they're doing that. Well, yeah, I, I said that uh, regardless of what you think of um, COVID and lockdowns, it's given some very, very bad people some very useful information about how much people will put up with. Um, and we're seeing them reaching the limits now in Canada with the Ottawa mm -hmm. truckers. Uh, my understanding is they're trying to do something similar with Washington, D.C., uh, Australia, they're definitely pushing them toward the brink uh, in New Zealand. So I, I think there is, I don't know, I, don't, I, would, I do not think it's by uh, design that they, that they got to that point, but they're certainly learning, just like World War I set the stage for World War II and the New Deal, um, what is it that people tolerate and when is it going to get dicey? Like a lot of people hated Trump and I try not to hate anyone, <clears throat> but I, I don't know if I hate this guy, but like Trudeau, I really don't like that guy. Like, yeah, he's a bad person. But he's very handsome and it's like gross. I don't like him. Well, I mean, when you call blue collar, diverse blue collar people Nazis, uh, to say that brazenly um, is really, and when you threaten to take their kids and their pets away, you know, that, that's so far beyond what I regard as acceptable. Uh, that that you know that there's there's no conversations we had here. He's what everyone was scared Trump was going to be. Yeah, yeah. And no, and like, where's all this? Like, I feel like everyone should be kind of throwing their outrage at him and even saying the obvious, like that's what we thought Trump was going to do, and now he's right, right. doing it in Canada. It's kind of getting silenced now that he's actually I, he invoked the those the powers where he could emergency powers, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, that's in. It's like kind of, kind of scary a little bit. Yeah, he's making the biggest ad for cryptocurrency we've ever seen. I hope so because I wasn't sure if it was the opposite. No, no, there's there def the banks are hand in hand with the government, brazenly and explicitly seizing mm -hmm. bank accounts. Crypto, you can see some wallets, but if it's external, like on your, right. uh, they can't seize it. That's a good point. Because I have all my stuff on like my Coinbase app, I yeah. need to move it maybe yeah. to one of those. What are they called? External wallets or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You just have to remember your your codes, or just have it. I think they have them as thumb drives. Nice. Don't lose the thumb drive. Yeah. I know Tim Dillon was talking about making a movie about uh, some somebody who lost their their thumb drive, so to speak. Oh wow! It was a whole. And th like the family members are trying to find it, and it could be a good movie. Yeah, a good like uh, idea theme for a movie. Have you? Do you watch movies? Not really, because most of them are terrible. I me either. Lately, I haven't been watching a whole lot of movies. I watched The Matrix or whatever. You know. I, I watched that with Blair. It, it took us like four tries. It was we couldn't get through it. <laughs> I will see. Dave Smith said he liked it, and I actually, I, I'll just say I, I, I didn't hate it. Like every, a lot of people, it was a, like a lot of people didn't like it, and, and, and you know, whatever. It felt to me like a parody of a Matrix movie. It was definitely pulling. I mean, like using so much footage from previous movies was kind of like, hmm. 
Yeah, it was self aware. Yeah, and, and the acting I thought was terrible. The love story is ridiculous because Trinity is not a, a, like a sexy character. I know. She's a kick ass. There's an asexuality about her, yeah. uh, androgyny about her. Mm-hmm. So to have to be this love story is just like, it's very, it, Keanu Reeves is not a particularly kind of sexy character either. Um, so it's just a very weird that, you know, they'd have this love story at the center of it. But again, that could be a commentary on, a lot of this movie is a meta commentary, right? So it's like, okay, is the meta commentary that every Hollywood movie has to have a love story at the center of it? I mean, that could be one way of looking at it. So it's thought provoking, but it's not entertaining. The movie. <clears throat> what did what's like your favorite superhero movie, or one of them? Oh, that's a great. Uh, probably Batman Returns. With uh, with the dude that's dead. Is that the guy? The guy that. Um, he died from pills. The Joker is that not no? No, no. Batman Returns is with Dan DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, okay. um, and um, Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, Michelle. Yeah, with the issue with Catwoman. Yeah, and Danny DeVito was the Penguin. Um, I liked Superwoman. It was really good. That's I, not a thing. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> Superwoman. There's Captain. Oh man, there's a couple of different ones, but this the, I like this. I like the the Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, that whole deal. The new director who's making those movies is like amazing. I don't know what his name is. Okay, but the, I haven't seen the Wonder Woman eighty eighty six, whatever it's called. I heard it's terrible. I think it's. I, I'm. I have an affinity towards her, I guess, or that that story for whatever reason. I think it's, I think it's good. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, and, and so super. What do you think? Like superheroes represent to us? Why are we so fascinated with them? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it's kind of like wrestling, but on a bigger scale, right? Because wrestlers are like these larger than life figures, and they're having these epic battles. And here, it's on a whole other level. It's not just like you got to fight in the ring. You're you're saving the world, or you know, yeah. You can kind of, you know, move at the speed of light, or shoot heat beams out of your eyes. So. It kind of makes things exciting. Yeah, I think we hope one day we can be like that somehow, exceed our potential, and break free from our bondages of this body. You know, I and that's, that's where Sheath Underwear comes along because it offers protection for both one part of your male anatomy and from your other. Listen to this guy; he knows what he's talking about. Best-selling author on Amazon for a couple of days, I do recall. You can Sorry. get the Anarchist Handbook. Available now on the floor behind you. <clears throat> so, you make money off that when you put together a compilation like that? Oh yeah, hell yeah, that's cool. But you wrote, you know, you wrote your little portion. It wasn't just like a full compilation. No, it was a full. I, I wrote an introduction, yeah, and I wrote the um, an introductory uh, paragraph for each essay. And also, I mean, you know, I curated it, so these are the ones that, that were kind of representative of anarchist thought historically. And what's that guy's name on the on the cover there? Lewis Ling. Lewis Ling, and he's got the little dynamite lapel. Yes, sir. And that's what the underwear is a representation of. And what did he do? Um, he was basically um, arrested in conjunction. There was a bomb that went out in Haymarket Square in Chicago, Cops, a lot of cops died, a lot of people died. There was a riot. A bunch of anarchists were arrested in conjunction 
he was one of them. He had been someone who had been making bombs in his house, mm-hmm. um, and they sensed them all to death. And rather than face the gallows, he had smuggled in a blasting cap into jail and blew off his own jaw, and then wrote on the walls in blood, "Hooray for anarchy!" With his wow, own- that's pretty badass. Yeah, and if you look at photos of him, he's like, it looks like Channing Tatum. Very handsome. Yeah. <laughs> Good jawline. He blows yeah, his yeah. jaw. Damn. Um, they don't like the anarchists. They don't like you questioning them, yet they say that we're allowed to like protest and have free press and freedom of speech. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, they, they, you know, Noam Chomsky has that quote. I'm going to mangle it about how, you know, the way to maintain control is to have very intense debate within strictly limited parameters. So it gives the appearance that there's all these choices, but it's like us sitting here and screaming Coke versus Pepsi as the only two things anyone can drink. It's insane. But like you will say, of course it's insane. You're a Coke person. If we were all drinking Pepsi, we'd be happy. You're like, idiot, Coke is clear. And it's just like, you're going to give it to babies. You're going to give it to diabetics. But that's basically the premise of government, that there has to be one thing for literally everybody. That's... I like the idea, and we're coming close here, but of the having individual states that have their own kind of rules and you can do cocaine in this state and you can prostitution over here and yeah. abortions over there, you know. And I, to an extent, I guess there's a little bit of that. I, w- I would like to see more of that. Of course, absolutely. And I think it's going to be a lot more because there's a lot less consensus in this country that Washington representative America as a whole, regardless of where you stand politically. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no consensus. Yeah. <laughs> the furthest thing from consensus. Exactly, yeah. If, yeah, I hope, I feel like, but, you know, I don't know if you saw this, really, we're wrapping it up here, but in, uh, this weekend, I watched the UFC, no one was wearing masks. Oh, good. Like, all you know, there was just the fighters weren't, but the the cornermen were, or the refs, or the judges, but no one, no one in the background. So that was, I feel like it's, I feel like it's over here. I think it depends on where you live. I guess so. Like I think I bet you in New York they're all still masked up, and LA, LA. Okay, and the you know the Canadian trucker freedom, I'm I was like a thousand percent for that, and I'm still am. I don't. I'm not so, and I was a little confused by the American one just because of the way it's already kind of winding down here. I feel like it's like a year too late. But what do you think about that? Um, I think they know what they're doing. Okay. I, I mean, it's hard for us because we're not truckers. So if something is important to them, I yeah. mean, they should be listened to. Yeah, I need. I don't. I haven't really heard what they're what they want from us or yeah, the government I don't know here. For Canada, it's very clear. Here right. I'm not so sure. And my concern is I have some shipments I need to get oh, yeah, yeah. from Utah to Colorado. And but we actually they're not all p- participating. So a lot of trucks are still being uh, you know moving shipments and stuff. So they would they make they grease this engine. People need to respect the truckers a little bit. Absolutely. That's the whole point of Fight Club. It's like, hey, we're the guys who clean your toilets. We bring you your food. We sweep the streets. Like, don't fuck with us. And they're right. Fuck with us. Oh, that's such a great line. I've watched probably that. That's probably the movie I've seen the most times. Just one of my favorite movies. 
And that's not very big anarchist thought, this kind of like, you know, the working class, like are really uh, treated like crap and and aren't given their due. And they, at the very least, should have a fair amount of respect, which I completely agree with. Doesn't mean I'm going to be palling around with the construction workers, because, but I certainly can. Uh, um, and support them or whatever. You could hang out with them, but also support their, you know like lifestyle and, and right, right to freedom, I guess. ultimately. Yeah. And, and want them to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Like you all out there watching the Robert Patton global podcast. We want you to thrive. Hopefully you got a lot of entertainment from this wonderful conversation with Michael Malice. Get your Michael Malice dynamite limited edition pair right now available at sheathunderwear.com. Get the anarchist handbook available on Amazon and all of, you know, Dear Reader and The New Right and uh, a couple others, I think. Yes, so. sir. And Ego Hubris on, e- on eBay for $300. And you're welcome on all podcast networks. Yes, sir. This podcast and uh, great communicator. Thank you, Michael, for coming on the show. That was a pleasure. Thank you. I will see you next time and we'll see you all next time. Peace. Peace.